Christmas now. Yeah. And so I'm just so excited about this series. I want to get, I want to give you this picture that, um, many of you like me grew up in a, uh, in a Protestant church and you never celebrated the Advent season before. And Advent could be new to you. Now, many of you grew up in a Catholic church or Episcopalian church, or maybe in a Methodist or Presbyterian church where you maybe, maybe you celebrated Advent, but for many of you, it's, it's new. Advent, literally, the term comes from a Latin word, which, which means a coming to. It is, it's the expression of waiting on something important. It's preparing your soul for something that is yet to come. Now, to set the stage for today, I want to give you a little timeline. So if I walk over here, and let's just say this part of the timeline is some 2,000 years before Jesus is born. And then I'm going to go through the timeline a little bit. And over here, this is 600 years before Jesus is born. Then I get to the middle of today's timeline, and this is when Jesus was born. And then I move some 2,000 plus years over here toward the end of our timeline today. And this is us today, November 28th, 2021. All right. So the timeline we're going to work through starts 2,000 years before Jesus is born. And at that point, this is where a fellow by the name of Abraham has a lot going on in his life. He and his wife had prayed for a little boy, and it seemed like it was an impossible thing at their advanced age that they would ever have children. God, however, provides this son. Now, some 2,000 years ago, the story for today begins about the name of God that the Hebrew people knew as Jehovah Jireh. Now, Jehovah-Jireh is a term that literally means God will provide. Now, you could be saying, well, why can't we just call him God? Well, let's think in our humanity, I mean, many of us have three names, but imagine God in his deity and all that he is. There's no one name that could cover any of it. So the Hebrews would have known him as Jehovah, and then they would have added additional names to Jehovah that would have given them an indication and an idea of all of the things that God could do. And Jehovah Jireh shows up in Genesis chapter 22, back some 2,000 years before Jesus is born, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides with the story of Abraham. Now, for Christians, us in this reality of Advent in our season, Christmas is the pinnacle of the Advent season. So the journal that we provided for you today that I worked through this morning, by the way, if you're here today and you didn't come prepared to, to give 10 bucks to cover the cost of a journal, please take one anyway. All right. I promise you, nobody's going to give you like the slant eye when you go over there and, you know, and say, well, I don't have 10 bucks. Okay. Just just get one. And by the way, if you're here today and you've got a 20, go ahead and buy one for somebody. But whatever you do, get a copy of this journal. I started it this morning and I was so thrilled with what, what, what this is all about. Day one, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. It goes on and says, look, I am making all things new. And then the little commentary I wrote gives us an idea that Advent in a real sense is an annual new beginning for us because God is making all things new. And when God chose to leave heaven in the form of Jesus, the son, he came to make all things new. 
No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done or what you're experiencing, he began the journey all the way back here. These decades and decades and centuries prior to Jesus' birth, beginning the process of redeeming all people and drawing all people unto himself. And Jehovah Jireh, God who provides, shows up in the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. So this season is a season of preparation. Now, the Jewish nation of Israel wanted a Messiah. They'd been praying for a Messiah. They were begging God for a Messiah because they were living under the tyranny and the oppression of a Roman Empire. And they were treated like they weren't indeed real people. They were slaves to the Roman Empire. Now, they had faith. They had a lot of faith. I remember going all the way back to Abraham and before. The people of Israel from that day forward, Father Abraham all the way through today, there's a great deal of faith. But the problem is what they wanted wasn't what they needed. Does that sound familiar? Sounds a lot like the good old US of A to me. What we want and what we need are really two different things. What we want is a politician to do something. What we want is education to provide something. What we want is somebody to provide this. What we want is somebody to do that. And from all the way back to Abraham through today, across this timeline, what we continue to find is that God, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, has this one way in which he can provide and will provide everything you need. Now, the Jewish nation believed and still believe that God will provide And then as they were taught for centuries, all the way going back to Abraham, their hero, that God would provide a way for them to no longer be oppressed and for them to experience freedom. So on this first Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the God who provides, or as one of the names of God describes, Jehovah Jireh. God has a multiple list of names because he can do anything and everything. And so in the same way with that, we join together in celebrating Advent because as we prepare our heart, which would be the first Sunday of Advent preparation, we prepare our heart by recognizing how Jehovah Jireh wants to provide for you. Because the story of Abraham going back 4,000 plus years ago has everything to do with you this Christmas season in this Advent in 2021. Because in the Advent season, we start with preparation, preparing ourselves, watch this, for the second Advent. The first Advent, Jesus came as a baby. The second Advent, Jesus is going to ride in and he will be king of kings, lord of lords, and every knee will bow and every tongue will profess that Jesus is Lord. That's the second advent. So today, we prepare our heart to celebrate the first, Christmas, but are we preparing our heart for the second when he comes again? Because as we anticipate that, as we anticipate the coming of the Messiah, then we get to celebrate not just preparation and anticipation, but joy. A proper understanding of the the coming one brings us joy of him coming incarnate. God in the flesh. The event in history when God took on flesh, which we celebrate as what? Christmas. And so when we come together and we start to think about preparation, then how is it that God is going to provide and how do we know that God will provide? How do we know Jehovah Jireh didn't stop back here with Abraham? How do we know that it kept moving through the timeline all the way to 20? 
21. Well, in Genesis 22, we begin to find the story, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Now, this is the very first clue to preparation. If you see in the text, God says, Abraham. Now, watch this. God isn't calling everybody to do what he called Abraham to do, but he is calling everybody. But when he calls to Abraham, how does Abraham respond? Abraham doesn't look around and say, who is that? He knows that he's been walking with God enough to know that God is speaking to him. I guess the first question I'd ask for Advent while the scripture is up is when God calls your name, do you run from it because you simply are so freaked out? When he nudges your soul, when he speaks into your life, when he gives you that prompting inside of your soul, do you just want to humanly excuse that and walk away from it and say, that, you know, God, he doesn't really speak to me. He talks to guys like Abraham. No, no, no. God talks to you. Right? Sugar Hill Sam and Sugar Hill Sue and, you know, Swanee Sam and Swanee Sue. He talks to all of you. But Abraham says, here I am. God says, take your son, and he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go where? Oh, man. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll tell you about. Now, remember, the story of Abraham begins with God saying to Abraham, I want you to pick up and move from your family. I haven't told you where to go, but I'm telling you, just go. You just, you just follow me and go. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't argue with God. He just goes. And now here we are all these years later still talking about Abraham because he started his life in obedience. Now God, who has given he and his wife this beautiful son Isaac, late in life, totally unexpected, nobody saw it coming, and now God says, hey, listen, I want you to take your one and only son and I want you to put him on an altar and I want you to sacrifice him for the atonement of sin. Now, when you read that, you must think God is barbaric. Why would a God do that? Well, don't give up on God yet. So early in the morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Well, there's another clue. What we sacrifice is an act of worship, not something separate. Because what we come to do when we worship, especially be reminded during this Advent season, what we come to do when we worship is not to get something for ourselves, but to offer something up to God. Abraham is saying this thing that feels so incredibly unhuman, this just inhumane act God you're asking me to do is actually an act of worship because worship is an act of obedience and recognizing I'm not God, he is, and you're not God, but he is. And so Abraham goes on and does this. Now watch this, in his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, My father. And once again, what does Abraham say? Here I am. And Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Because that's what you would typically offer. 
You, you would offer up a lamb for the sacrifice, and, but they've shown up at Mount Moriah and all it is is Abraham, the knife, the wood, the fire, and the sun. I mean, this is just not going the right way and this is not how you want to start Advent, right? I mean, it just doesn't sound right. Well, watch what happens. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. And he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. What in the world? I mean, this just, this just doesn't sound right. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And again, he said, here I am. Once again, Abraham knew. He knew when the ask was made, and he knew when the provision comes. You know how he knew that? You never know how God's going to provide unless you're walking with God. You never know. You never trust that God truly is in charge and that God's going to provide unless you're walking with God. Abraham had been walking with God to the degree that God called him my friend. I don't know about you, but if anything could be on my tombstone, I want God to be able to say, now, Chuck, that was my friend. But that's because Abraham was walking with God and God sends an angel and says, don't harm the boy. Don't do that. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God. Now, our term for fear means that we're trembling, that we're scared to death. But this Hebrew word, fear, literally means, now I know that you are in such awe of God that you are willing to follow him and obey him no matter what. The fear that we're talking about here is literally Abraham knowing, God, I can trust you. I can trust you when I didn't have a boy. I can trust you when I had a boy. I can trust you when you asked me to sacrifice a boy. And I can trust you some even greater. But through, through all of that, I have now seen that you're providing for me. Look what happens. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering. How did he know to do that? Because the angel said, since you have not withheld your only son from me, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. You know what I've learned? That mountaintop experience are wonderful, but it, it, it takes some doing to get there. I'll never forget when I, I walked the Georgia section of the Appalachian Trail and we got to Blood Mountain. How many of you have hiked up Blood Mountain? Okay, that, that's where you go when you die without Jesus. I mean, when you're built like this, you do not need to climb up Blood Mountain. You know, it's like I was sweating blood when I had that going on. I mean, I got halfway up and seriously, I'm looking for oxygen. You know, I had one group of hikers came by and they saw me sitting there and literally this lady stopped and she said, are you Okay. What I wanted to say was, no, shut up and leave me alone. But I couldn't get the oxygen to say it, so I just nodded. But I've learned that to have that mountaintop experience, you've got to climb a little bit. I mean, you, you've, got a, you've got a desire to, to climb and to know that it's not always easy. Following the will of God and obeying God so that you can be provided through that obedience like Abraham was some 4,000 years ago is the single one process. And that is, why was he provided for? Well, he'd been walking with God and was what? He was obedient. 
He actually did what God nudged him and stirred him to do. He didn't explain it away and say, you know, God doesn't talk to me. He talks to like Adam and those people, not me. But listen, God wants to speak into your life. I, I made the mistake this past week of going to Publix on Wednesday evening. <laughs> I have never seen that many angry people in one place in my life. I mean, it was, I mean, it was full contact grocery shopping. <laughs> and you know what I thought while I was there? I cannot wait to get out of here. I just want to leave. But I couldn't find one thing. I couldn't find fried onions that you have to put on top of the green bean casserole. So I asked this lady who I saw it in her, in her buggy. I said, ma'am, where did you get the green bean casserole? She looked at me and said, so I just looked at her and went, oh, I figured that was universal language for I got it. And it's that way, right? I got there. No, anyway, that's a whole other story. But beside all that, can you imagine how frustrated those people must have been trying to figure out, Abraham, why are you doing this? I mean, in Genesis 22, God is saying, if you're obedient, I'll always be there to provide. But you're not going to know it unless you're obedient. Well, you say, well, Chuck, I, I want to make sure that I understand that. I want to make sure I get that. Advent, my friend, gives us reason to take a pause in our life and prepare. Prepare for what? To prepare for God's provision. To prepare for God's provision. Because God's in the business of providing for those who love him. But listen, you say, but Chuck, I don't understand. Why would God, all these years ago, why would he ask Abraham to do that? And the answer is, God has a rhyme and a reason to all the whys and whens. God has a rhyme and reason for all the whys and whens. Now, you say, well, then Chuck, why didn't he let me in on it? Well, because we're human and his ways are far higher than our ways. If we understood everything God understood, this would be, can you imagine how whacked out we'd be? I, I preached a funeral a week or so ago for a 44-year-old mom, beautiful young mom, taken in a car accident. And the question that every family would want to know is why? Why now? Why her? Why that? And the simple answer is like Abraham here, I don't know. But where was God when all that was happening? He's the same place he was when Abraham put Isaac on the altar. He's the same place when Adam and Eve were in the garden. He's at the same place when Joseph was thrown in a pit and the same place when Daniel was thrown in the lions. He's the same place he was when, when Jonah was thrown inside of the whale's belly and he was the same place when his own son died to give us life. Right here with us. Jesus came to be with us. And Abraham models how God provides through our obedience to walk with Jesus. 
One of the primary reasons we wanted everybody together to hear all this message in one big word is this, that as we prepare for 2022, we become a people that don't give a rip how many people show up to church, how much money you give to the church, how many mission trips you go on, how many hungry people that you feed, but that we become a people that choose through an entire year to walk with Jesus. Because if you choose to walk with Jesus, all the rest of that will take care of itself. If you're going to clap, clap. But that, in that act of obedience, God provides a solution. And what's the best solution? Provision. Provision. Now watch this. Over here, we know the story of Abraham and Isaac. We move over here to about 600 years before Jesus is born in Isaiah says there's coming a savior. When that savior comes, he's gonna take all the government and he's gonna take all the world and place it on his shoulders. Then we move forward now 2,000 years away from Abraham and the angel comes and says, fear not, behold, I bring you great news. And what's the news? The savior has come. Isaiah said he'd be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And Jesus came to become the savior of the world. Now watch this. When Jesus comes to become savior of the world, the world that he's living in is ruled by Herod. And Herod is a vicious, wicked human. I want you to know that the world in which Jesus was born into made North Korea look like Disneyland. It was a wicked, horrible place. Remember, this is the same guy who feared that a king had been bored and ordered all the two-year-old boys and under to be swept away. I mean, this is a terrible place. And in the midst of that horror, God shows up with skin on in the presence of Jesus the Lord. And so as Jesus shows up some 2,000 years after that provision, the message comes from the angels first to the shepherds and then to the world I've provided for you. In the middle of that provides for Mary and Joseph when they realize through God that Jesus is in danger. So what do they do? If you know the James Taylor song, they went another way. And they headed to Egypt. And we know that God's provision kept on going. You know, no, nobody likes to live with a murder lurking over them in a desperate, oppressive world. Nobody likes to live in a world where freedoms are taken away. Nobody wants to live in a world where they're literally slaves to somebody. Nobody wants to live in a world where all of a sudden the world is telling you what to think and how you have to live and what you have to do. It was simple. The people of Galilee and Nazareth and Bethlehem and all the remaining region were desperate for something. They needed God to provide for them. They needed Jehovah Jireh and the stories that they had told for all those centuries, they needed God to provide for them. And God said, I'm sending you me in the presence of Jesus with skin on, born of a virgin, laid into a manger in a little barn cave in Bethlehem. And I'm going to provide through him everything you need because the scriptures say everything was made in him, for him, and through him. And now he came to give us life in abundance and life eternal. 
And as he does that, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem is a fulfilled prophecy. God knew at the time of creation that this world, his creation, was going to need provision. The provision of freedom and hope. The provision of some way to escape the sin and, and the desperate penalty of sin, which is death apart from God. And it could be said that the reason the Hebrews loved the term Jehovah Jireh so much was that in their history, it was one of constant provision from God, Jehovah Jireh. The entire Old Testament is this one story. The people of God who love God and then wander away from God and then realize how desperate they are. And then they show up and they want God. And then they wander away from God. And then they show up and they need God. And God always shows up and God always provides. And you know what? We haven't changed much all these years later. We're still a people that when we need God, we're just like, I, Chuck, I need God. Where is he in my life? And I'm saying, he's never left you. You're the one that left the ranch. But you go forward in the timeline, and it is an incident interesting that in the time of barbaric living in Abraham's time, through the time of prophecy with Isaiah, over to the time where Jesus was born, where wickedness ruled, all the way to today, we're still living a world of sinful, selfish, wickedness, tyranny, and lawlessness. And the question is, but where is God waiting to provide for you? Well, then why doesn't he just show up and zap it? Well, he could, yeah. But remember what I taught last week, that God's not in the zapping business. God is in the people business. God didn't want to zap it. God wants to have your heart and through you change the world. God wants to have your heart, all of it, not part of it, not some of it, not 90% of it, not 99% of it. He wants the whole thing because when he has your heart, he will change your world first, those around you next, and then a bigger circle beyond that. How do I know that? I see it every stinking week. I see it in guys like Jimmy Saker. Here's a, this is a kid that, I mean, truly, I mean, it's in his own words, he lost his whole way in life, and he's a brand new dude. How do I know that? God's provision. So I guess the question I'm asking you is, what in the world are you waiting on? God wants to provide for you. God wants to deliver for you. I mean, 2,000 years before he was born, 2,000 years after he was born, I think the question is really this simple. What exactly does Jehovah Jireh offer me in my present life? I mean, we're, we aren't exactly patient people, are we? I mean, I'm, I, want God to fix, I want God to fix my addiction right now, just like instantaneously. Could he? Well, yeah. But you know what I've learned? That God allows scars in our life to remind us of where we've been and the goodness of how God brought us forward. I got a few scars in my life, don't you? I mean, I got some that are deep. Some of them are emotional, some of them are mental, some of them are physical, but they're there. And you know what they remind me of every time? The goodness of God, that when I deserve to be on this altar and my life snuffed out, somebody predicted that there would become a savior that would come to the world. And when that savior in the form of Jesus the Lord came and was born into this world, he offered me the ability 
to go way beyond those scars. And now over here, because of his goodness, because Jehovah Jireh came to provide, what did he provide for me? Forgiveness. And in that forgiveness, what did I get? Well, you have it. I mean, that's just like bonus, right? But I mean, like right now, Chuck, what did I get? Boy, the ability to put my head on a pillow and be at peace with God. The ability to be at peace with one another. The ability to trust that God is the God of provision and he will not let us down and he will not stop. Listen to what the scriptures say when Paul writes over in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse 19, listen to what he says. I love these first three words. And my God. Highly personal. How did God call Abraham by name? Abraham. What did Abraham say? Yes, God, that's me. Hello, I'm here. All those years, Paul says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, those three statements are pretty bold. Listen to what it says again, that he will supply all your needs. You know what I've discovered? He has yet to provide all my wants. I mean, I got to tell you something. If, if, if I could treat God like a heavenly bass pro shop, I would have me the coolest fishing boat known to man. You know what God has realized? That it's possible if I had it, I would stop being a preacher and fish every Sunday morning. Therefore, I do not have a fishing boat. And you know what I have? Great peace that right now I have the privilege to preach to you the good news of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Now watch this. All needs. But then he goes on and he says, he's going to provide those because of his riches. Now watch this. This is the God who created all this. This is the God who owns all this. This is the God who already holds all of this. This is the God that freely gives all this. This is the God in which we should start every day with gratitude to say, thank you that I get to be a part of all of your riches. And then in the last part, what are those riches based in? Christ the Lord. Come on, not one amen, Christ the Lord. Oh, listen, friend, listen. If you're trying to figure out like Abraham, like the Hebrews, we have a choice. We can choose hope. We can choose help. We can choose peace. We can choose joy. We can choose salvation. Does that make you perfect? Heavens, no. I mean, look at me. I'm the most messed up human I know. I mean, this is proof that God will use the complete fools of the world to do something if we're just obedient to him. What might God do with you? Think about how much smarter you are than me. I mean, every human here I know is a little smarter than me. And look what God may want to do with you. And you think to yourself, but, but, but Chuck, does God really want to give me that? According to him, he does. Not according to me, not according to this church, according to him himself. A God who cannot and will not lie says, I want to provide everything according to his riches and glory. How? In Christ Jesus. So how then do I have all that? Remember, 2,000 years after Jesus was born, we still have the same choice. We have the choice. And you say, well, but, but Chuck, how do, I, how do I really know that? Well, let me take you to another passage. Just go back to Matthew. And in Matthew's gospel, the highlight of this text I'm about to read says the cure for anxiety. All of a sudden, ears should pick up a little bit on that one. This is why I tell you, Jesus said, 
Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? Like, I would love to lose 50 pounds. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but you can't lose it and eat Krispy Kremes. I mean, when God provides that solution, I'm all about obedience. But that's how some of us treat all obedience. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor, who was the wisest and wealthiest man in the world, and all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? Oh, you have little faith. So don't worry saying, what will he eat or what will he drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But here's the catch in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will bring about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen, amen, and amen. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jehovah Jireh, in the form of Jesus the Lord, knocks on the door of your heart, wanting to provide for you everything according to his riches and glory. And some of us here today, some of us online are just thinking, but I don't get it, Chuck, what's my choice? Well, Jesus the Messiah has come to provide for you today. Well, Chuck, I, I mean, I just came to church, man. I mean, it's like, I came because Jimmy was getting baptized. I, I came because, I, you know what? I figured y'all were doing one service. Things would be different. I, th- I, I came to show up for that. And like Abraham and Isaiah and those shepherds, all the way to today, Jehovah Jireh in the presence of Jesus the Lord knocks on the door of your heart and says, I want to provide for you with all my riches and glory. Chuck, I'm in. That's what I want. Then he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all those things are provided for you. Chuck, that's just preacher talk. I have no idea what that means. It's this simple. It's not joining a church. It's not getting baptized. It's most certainly not walking an aisle. But it's simply calling on the name of the Lord. You say, Chuck, again, with the preacher talk. Calling the Lord is this simple. If you want everything you need, Jehovah Jireh is still in the business of providing for you. But your request is what he's waiting on. Because he's not going to force him on you. He wants you to voluntarily choose to love him. And he says, if you'll simply call on my name, and here's what that sounds like. Jesus, I'm calling on your name to provide for me forgiveness of all my sin. And come live in my life and change me and provide for me a new life, a new heart, a new way. Friend, listen. Jesus didn't die for you, be buried for you, 
and raised from the dead for you, for you to sit in a church service and say, ah, no thanks. I'll deal with it later. Jehovah Jireh calls on you right now to say, that's what I want. Today, if that's the desire of your heart, if, if you'd say, Chuck, today, I want that provision. I want to ask the band to start making their way here. We're going to wrap up. But today, if you'd say, that's, that's the desire of my heart. I don't want you to bow your head. I don't want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to not look around and all that other stuff. Man, I just don't believe in that junk, man. Listen, Jesus died in a public place for you, and he calls you to represent him in a public place. Man, man ain't nothing to be embarrassed of. The king is calling your name today. Jehovah Jireh, the God of all provision, says, come on to me. So today, if you say, Chuck, that's the prayer. I want to call on the name of Jesus. I may not understand it all, but I know I need that. I know I need to move forward in my life for that. If you've never done that, then it's time for you to stand. If you've always wondered if you've settled that, now's the time to stand. If ever there was a time for you to say, I'm all in. I don't even know what all in means, but I'm all in. Then I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Just stand. All it takes is somebody. Amen. Amen. Come on, who else? Who else? Amen, keep standing. Who else? Come on, who else? Who else? Come on, who else? Come on, who else? Come on, who else? Come on, who else? Listen, keep standing. In the name of Jesus, you stand. Who else? Don't sit down, keep standing. Keep standing. Who else? Listen, don't walk out of here without Jesus. Who else? Come on, who else? Stay standing for just a minute. Listen to me, friends. This Jesus, he adores you. Right where you're at, right now, he adores you. To the degree that he died for you was buried for you, rose from the grave for you, and has created a home in heaven for you. And today, when you settle that in your heart, you're saying, I am all in. And all of heaven rejoices. Father, thank you for these folks who've said, I'm all in with Jesus. For folks at home who've said, I'm all in with Jesus. Let this Advent season be a time that we celebrate your goodness and your provision. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord.